Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Don't ask reporters in Hawaii about the fucking tree. Um, Because we still have a, a pretty big list of missing people. We're still counting dead bodies. Uh, the water system is messed up and, and we have all this mess to deal with that. I don't know. We can include this. We cannot. It's, it's just, oh, I'm including it now. Thing. I'm going to put it up at the top. We're going to yeah. do it. Old, we're going to do it old school. I'm going to put it up. Yeah. The, I'm going to put this separate up at the top. And then the title of, the, the, the title of this is just going to be fuck that tree, fuck that tree. And then the intro music, <laughs> and then we'll get into the real episode. People will love it. One day, all of the facts in about 30 years' time will be published. When genocide has been carried out in this country almost with impunity, and when it is near to completion, people talk about intervention. You don't get freedom peacefully. Freedom is never uh, safe guarded Anyone who is depriving you of freedom isn't deserving of an of a peaceful approach. Hey there, Angry Planet listeners. Matthew here. Jason is out today, but I'm here with Kevin Nodell, our uh, mysterious and often in the background producer. He is a reporter for the Honolulu Star Advertiser, and he just got back from Maui, where he was reporting on the wildfires there. Uh, but kind of as a way to get into why we think that's an important thing to talk about on Angry Planet and how Kevin, who is a military reporter, came to be reporting on it and covering it. Um, Kevin, can you tell us, first of all, how are you doing today? <laughs> um tired i i i think it's a misnomer to say that i just got back from maui that was that was now almost two and a half weeks ago uh that i was on the ground there but um still fresh in my mind um i'm doing okay uh just got back from a wedding uh been in pacific northwest for the first time in three years um it's very smoky out here still though um because of wildfires which we may get into also i have not seen Mount Rainier uh, the entire time that I've been here, despite a cloudless day when I was looking in its direction. So you can't, uh, you can't so. escape the fires, essentially. No. Um, fi- yeah, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. I've, I've covered, you know, um, the military and conflict quite a bit, but fire has been a recurring theme throughout my career, writing in several places, but I, I'm, I'm sure we'll get to that in short order. So you were supposed to go on vacation when it was like the beginning of August, right? 
Right. Uh, well, I, I was supposed to go uh, to California for a week where I was going to be working on a story there slash kind of working remotely before I went on vacation, like real vacation for two weeks um, immediately following. And it, it was just a situation where there was something connected to a story that I was already working on happening down in California right before I was set to go on vacation. And I asked my editors, Hey, um, since this is happening, would you object to me just leaving working remote and uh, doing that? Cause it, it would just make travel a lot easier. It's it, it just lines up perfectly. Um, but it ended up not working out lining up as perfectly as I, I thought it would. And, uh, and, and why was that? Well, um, uh, on the night of uh, August 8th, t- Tuesday night, I was very much off work, uh, off the clock at that point. And I hadn't been following um, news on Maui. I-, I think I had maybe heard something about s- some flare-ups of wildfires. Um, but but like, later that night, I get a call from my editor saying, hey, um, Lahaina is on fire. Like, the town is currently burning down as we speak. And uh, we-, we may need to to send you over to Maui. Uh, Pretty shortly. Um, and, and the next day it was decided, you know, we, we, the next day we're waking up to just just this horrible news of, of the entire town having burned down um, and quickly. And, 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 you know, I'm looking at my phone and seeing all all the videos of, of what had happened. And it, 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 it was it was quite a shock to I, 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 I was bracing myself because I had heard about it uh, the night bef- before very late. But seeing it was uh, completely different, and uh, within the next day, I, I was I was on the ground um, reporting. Why are you the one that they called? What what is it in your background that makes this something that uh, you'd have the right perspective and experience to cover? Um, I'm not I'm not a hundred percent sure. Uh, I think it is because I I have you know, crisis experience. Uh, and this was a, a crisis, uh, situation. Um, I think it's also cause I'm one of the younger staffers. Um, and and, you know, it's easier for me to go. I don't, I don't have kids They're They're, I don't, I don't have stuff like that in the way. And, you know, I, I, I think that's kind of why they picked me. They, they never told me why, why me, okay, but you've also, of, but you've also covered this topic extensively in other contexts, right? I have, um, I'm yeah, I, I guess I have covered wildfire quite a bit. Um, just, yeah, just not so much in Hawaii at that point. And other, other, other of my colleagues have also covered wildfire. I, you know, somebody had to go and, uh, they, they picked me. Um, I, I, I don't want to, give myself too much credit on on either of that and i also don't know how much my editors were thinking about that it was very much about like just getting out there and, and covering as much ground as we could uh but the the pers- your perspective is interesting here something that you had told me earlier uh let me see if i can get the quote exactly right is that mm-hmm. wildfires are the natural disaster that most resembles war uh could you elaborate yeah, absolutely. I've I've thought about that a lot since uh, covering. I, I think I think 2015 was the first wildfire I, I would have covered. Um, that was and that was for Wars Boring um, back in the day. Um, spent some time out there with um, in uh, Okanagan, um, Washington, 
covering what was at that point uh, the largest wildfire in in Washington state history. I think I've got the year right on that. We, we've had we've had uh, several more larger largest wildfires in uh, Washington state history since then. And, yeah, I think uh, it was uh, America's at War with Fire is the title of the article. Uh, okay. Yeah, you were hanging out with uh, the Forestry Service and some other people. Oh, no, of, no. Or is this a different? That well, that was. I think that's the same year. So I think that was the the uh, the article before I went out into the field. Gotcha. I think that was the. I think that was the overview of everything that was going on because they they also called up active duty and like it it, it was a big thing. Um, but it it feels like a footnote now, given other things that have happened. Um. But but to bring it back to it is the thing that most resembles war, you know, most other natural disasters, they just kind of sweep through and and that's it. Um, Wildfires are different because wildfires can continue to burn and they they move. They they don't stay in one place as they're doing that. Not not that hurricanes do either, but you're you're actively trying to fight it because you can't fight a hurricane. You can fight. A fire, you can redirect it, and you, there's there's a front line. You know, you you're you're moving resources. You're we we mean we now often use aircraft to fight fires. So you're, you're you have your your air crews, you have your ground crews. You're trying to manage your resources, move it around, and and contain it or redirect it so it doesn't hit critical infrastructure or population centers. And the, the you can be. A hurricane will come through and, you know, it'll come and go. You can be battling uh, one wildfire for days, weeks, or even months, depending on its scale and depending on if it spreads or breaks apart. Um, and, and, yeah, it's just it, – it's it, it's where you actually battle it. And that's why we call it firefighting. And the damage it causes is most is similar to what a war does, right? Or like a prolonged – or at least like a bombing campaign or – were someone to burn down a city. Yeah, I, 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 I couldn't help but think about that when when I actually saw Lahaina in person. Um, it, it was difficult getting out there because there, there were lots of uh, roadblocks and they really, really were not letting people in. Uh, they, they really didn't want people to come in and uh, they, they, they were not really jazzed about journalists getting in there either. A few people were able to sneak into um, the town, like uh, Lahaina Town Center itself, um, early on and, and get past the roadblocks. Um, me and the photographer I was working with, we didn't get into the city center, but we did instead to get through the roadblocks as we hitched a ride with one of the aid convoys that was going through the town, not, not down to front street necessarily, but um, making, making our way to um, the Ritz Carlton where they were kind of collecting aid and, and redistributing it to people who had lost their homes or anybody else who was struggling. Because even if you your home miraculously survived, you didn't have electricity. And within a few days, we found out also the, the water system was pretty much melted and contaminated and, and is unusable um, there. And also um, in Maui's upcountry um, happened. We'll we'll get to this, but there were there were three fires simultaneously um, going on on the island when this whole thing started. Why didn't they want journalists in? They 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 just don't want. They didn't want a lot of cameras around. Also, you know there 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 were um there were bodies in there. Uh, there you know there was there was death. We still don't really know entirely the scale that we're, we're they're still searching uh, the wreckage. Um, but 
It's like there's a, around right. 400 missing, presume, right? I, I think it's 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 below that. Last I saw, um, it, it was somewhere more like like 340, which is thankfully down from the thousand. Um, it, it was kind of before that, so it'll be. I, I don't know what the final death toll is going to be. Um, early on, when I was on the ground, the official death toll was 36 confirmed, but but the numbers that I was hearing from people were closer to 200 plus. Um, I, I, I'm sure we can look up right now what the current one is as of this recording, but north, it, of a, we, north of a hundred as of this recording, it, I believe. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. North of a hundred. Um, it, it, I, I think the last I saw was, was 115. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm on vacation right now, but also trying to, to follow it, um, to the degree that, that I can, but before I get, go back and get back to work next week. So can you tell me about like what your immediate impressions were, what you saw, what you what you were thinking and feeling uh, as you entered the town? Yeah, um, I, I'd been to Lahaina before, uh, you know, um, j- just a little bit of background on on the town itself. Um, it's it's a very old city. Um, you know, we, we don't we don't have a lot of uh, remaining towns in Hawaii that have that kind of old Hawaii architecture. I, I mean, you can also argue about like how old it is. Cause a lot of it is kind of from, from the whaling era and the plantation era. So it's, it's very, it's very Westernized or was very Westernized, but, but it's, but it's old. It's, it's, it's wooden architecture. It's not, it's not Waikiki. It's not big towering condos. I mean, there's big towering resorts, but most of that's uh, North of the town uh, and, and is out of town by design so that people can go in and enjoy the cute little, uh, touristy town. Um, you know, there, 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 there was some reporting early on from national and international media. I think it's improved, but, you know, talking about how, um, this popular resort town burned down, but, um, Lahaina is not merely a resort town one because lots of local people live there, but it, it used to be the capital of the Hawaiian kingdom. It, it, it was where, the whaling industry was based. It, it became a major agricultural hub. You know, it, you know, the mission, it, it's kind of the entire history of, of Hawaii. You can kind of look at in one place and, and how it's changed. The only thing it's missing is a major military installation. Uh, that's, that's kind of the only thing it doesn't have, but it, it, it's just got this really unique history and this unique blend of stuff. And as I was coming down the hill looking at it, and I, I'd kind of seen a few pictures, but it was just really striking to see how gone it was. It, it was just just husks of ash. Like uh, there were a handful of buildings that that had survived, and even or or, or partially, but most of it was just flattened, absolutely burnt to a crisp. I, I, I covered, you know, wildfires before, but this this reminded me much more of um, like going through Syria, uh, going through towns that had been destroyed during the um, the ISIS campaign, though. I would even say not to downplay what the suffering of, of the people of, of Mosul or, or Raqqa, um, but but Mosul is still there. You know, I, I saw they, they've rebuilt quite a bit of it. You know, it's still early. We'll we'll see what what the rebuilding process in Lahaina looks like, but it, the, the destruction in terms of the physical destruction uh, 
of this town was just very hard to fathom and very hard for me to communicate uh, with words. It, 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 people, people would say, would call it a war zone. And, you know, that's something that, you know, I hate that comparison when, when we compare things that aren't war to war, um, wholly appropriate to describe this place as looking like a war zone. Cause I can't think of anything else to compare it to. Yeah, the you had you sent some pictures to the group chat. Uh, I think they were mm-hmm. taken by with with your phone, just from like the is it like out the out of a the side of a car as you guys were going down the road. So, uh, one out of a car, and then one out of the truck as we were going back after the aid had been delivered. And the, yeah, just com- just nothingness. It was kind of wild uh, that this this fire just completely swallowed up this entire town. How do you? How did? they fight this. How do you fight a fire like this? What is the mechanism by which you do that? So, all right, this, there's still some debate about what, what all went wrong. Um, And uh, what we'll get into that. uh, I mean, like right now, um, there, there were some unique circumstances. I I won't say, I I won't say um, like that nobody could have seen any of this coming because there, there were, this well, isn't the been, first time. That I was going to say there's been more wildfires in the area in the past few years, right? In right. general, and also, and and Lahaina had actually been specifically noted by emergency planners at being at very high risk of of exactly this happening. Um, this had been discussed as something that needed to be looked at, um, but just kind of a play by play of how this went down because um, I think that's that's helpful. Um, this started um, during as Hurricane Dora was moving south of Hawaii. Um, you know, we're we're in the Pacific. We we don't get hit by hurricanes very much. The, the last major one that hit was Hurricane Aniki, which did quite a bit of damage. But you know, usually during this time of year, we we get high alert. But you know, a, a lot of times they just kind of slingshot around us, and we 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 watch and they they miss because we're. That, that as an island chain, we're kind of a small target, honestly, uh, for for hurricanes. But when Hurricane Dora went south, it, it we didn't get hit by the by like the rain or the storm itself, but we got the wind. So we, we had this very very strong wind, just kind of howling through the islands. I remember being woken up by it, um, like very very early in the morning, like in the pitch black, and just hearing. Yeah, I, I I I could hear all the trees around where where I live, kind of like swinging around, and you know it it, it was very intense wind. Now, what that meant on on Maui, and uh, that that now there's there's going to be some lawsuits, and we're gonna we're gonna find out what what really happened here, but. On Maui, where there had been drought conditions, and there have been drought conditions throughout the island, um, at I, I believe it was uh, six forty-five a.m., it was reported that um, a that a fire had kind of broken out around Lahaina, pretty kind of you know nearby on one of the roads. Uh, I think uh, it was um, Lahaina Luna Road, but they, you know they they respond to that fire, and there, there's a few fires going on on the island because of these very dry conditions. And uh, it, it's, it's been very much widely cited that um, that downed power lines probably played a role in, in a lot of this. Um, 
and we'll we'll get into that in a second about because there there's going to be a interesting aftermath as, as and a lot of finger pointing as to what really happened. But by about nine a.m., um, Maui Fire Department declares the Lahaina wildfire to be one hundred percent contained at that point, and then as a result of that, you know, they, they they didn't say that it was out; they said it was contained. Though the, in their announcement that it was put out, they warned that the high winds that they were experiencing were still going to be a danger, and that people should still be vigilant. But since they felt that that fire had been contained, they started moving more resources to the upcountry fire, um, and where, which was a larger fire at that point. I I think it should be understood. It, 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 it it's up in the hills. It's harder to get resources up there. Um, a lot of logistics to make that happen. And one of the challenges that they were also having is because the hurricane was still passing through and the wind was still very high. Um, they weren't able to use helicopters and weren't able to use their air assets. So firefighters were fighting these fires only on the ground and they were doing it in these, in these very dry conditions with high wind that was making the fire move faster than it would normally move. Just kind of this incredible mixture of, of circumstances that make this more difficult than a fire would usually be to fight. Um, Throughout the morning, they, they're you know they're they're fighting for, for hours, really focusing on the upcountry uh, fire, and then they kind of start telling people in the area that they should really think about getting out of the area if if they have the ability to move. Um, then I, it, I think it was about three forty p.m. Um, they say the Lahaina fire escaped containment and started moving toward Lahaina again, with again the, the, these very high winds. Uh, the, the, this very these very dry conditions, and, and they start trying to kind of recollect. Um, we, we now have accounts of um, firefighters uh, who are who are trying to battle the fire, and their hydrants going dry, of them running out of water. We know that a lot of the pipes, because of the heat uh, and because of various things and, and, and damage throughout the town as it spread, um, the the water system is lost pressure and a lot of the water is now the water is considered contaminated. It's not considered clean. So uh, nobody is, is drinking with it and they've told people not to bathe with it until they can figure out how to fix all of that. Um, and, and yeah, the fire just kind of spread. It, it just continued to, um, it, it, it took, it went into the town. And like I said, it's this old town. It's not so much like the other ones, the, the, so much of it is made of wood and it's kind of packed together. Like, like think of kind of like an old West town, like kind, kind of, kind of like Deadwood, but you know, with, with much more, but with much more colorful painted, you know, right. facades, but, but, but we're, we're talking like stuff that's been retrofitted and upgraded over the years. Some, some of this stuff is really, really old and, you know, old, beautiful wooden buildings. But now that a fire is coming through, it's, it's exactly the conditions that that helps something like this spread. But at, yeah, as, as it collects fire, it, it, it gets hot enough and it's moving fast enough that it's also melting steel. Um, co- concrete buildings are starting to collapse around the heat. Uh, it's, it's just, it, 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 it's, it's, it's this incredible literal firestorm that is just moving through the town and um, people start start trying to flee. Um 
you, you can see, I, I'm sure by now people have seen the pictures of the cars on the road that were just scorched. People abandoned their cars. Some people were not able to abandon the cars. Um, it, it, we, we found bodies in, in some of those cars. Um, that's, I, I, yeah, that's, that's kind of my summary of, of what happened. There, there's more specific things about the response that we can get into, but that's kind of how the fires spread. And also, I, I want to stress too that within in the following days, the upcountry fire was still was still a fire that they had to fight. Um, I, I'd seen I've seen some criticism that you know they they devoted too much resources to the upcountry fire when Lahaina was the real danger. Um, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. You know, in 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 these investigations, but. The upcountry fire was still was still a fire when I was there, and it has continued to be an issue, and flare-ups have continued to be an issue. And th- there was recently another evacuation even this week from another area because of another fire. Um, so, like, these dry conditions are th- – this is not a thing that happened. This is a thing that is happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, like 342, they closed, they closed that road down between the highway and the bypass – and then, st- but two hours later, we have video of Main Street burning down, or mm-hmm. the 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 front, like the front the, street, yeah, the front street burning down. And um, uh, like thirty minutes after that, people fleeing the town into the ocean itself, trying to get away from the fire. Um, right. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. T- yeah. A lot of people did seek shelter in the ocean. Um, Coast Guard and and other various vessels have, have picked them up. Um, it, it's been kind of a debate right now about ha- how many people may or may not have died in the ocean. Um, I there there just aren't really good numbers. That I, I talk to people who swear they saw bodies floating. Uh, there are a lot of officials who say you know like no, there were not a lot of dead people in the water. Um, I I don't really know what to make of that right now, but I, I want to acknowledge that both of those things are, are positions that people have taken. So what is the, now that we kind of know like a timeline of events for the immediate fire, like what does it look like to battle this thing? Um, didn't sound like it was going super well. Obviously there's a lot of infrastructure problems um, contributing to this. Do we want to talk about that first? Actually, can you tell me about like downed power lines and, a complete loss of water on the island of Hawaii. Yeah, well, not the, on the islands of Hawaii. Of Hawaii. Uh, sorry, yeah, the, uh, um, yeah. That's okay. That's okay. I'm sure you get We're, that all the time. <laughs> yeah, I, I do. No, no, we we all get to learn a little bit more about the geography uh, of of the Hawaii Islands. Uh, you know, this but no, this is good. We get we get we get to learn more. People people should should know. Um, yeah, I mean we're we're still understanding how some of this happens, but um, and yeah, now the the Maui County has now um, launched a lawsuit against uh, Hawaiian Electric, um, saying that um, you know this was caused by the down power lines, and um, that though now um, they have they have resp- responded by saying they will be forced to go to court and prove that Maui County is actually the most responsible and that they are not. And we're going to see how that goes. Um, you know, I, I, we'll, we'll talk, I think probably right now about how, you know, both there's going to be so much blame to go around. Um, you know, uh, the, the head of the Maui emergency management agency, Herman and Daya 
was kind of, you know, not visible for several days. And then he went at a press conference and they asked him why, why the alarm sirens weren't sounded and if he has any regrets. And he said no. And uh, he resigned the next day for health reasons. We'll see what people ultimately decide that, you know, there, there's several investigations going on right now to see what, um, what, we, what they ultimately decide about Endaya's decision there. His explanation, I'll, I'll say, is not the stupidest thing I've ever heard, uh, but it, 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 it certainly didn't go over well. Um, Maui has a very comprehensive, you know, warning system. It is called the All Hazard Siren Systems. It, so on the website, it says that it is for tsunamis, for hurricanes, for wildfires. Like, you know, it, it said that it is for all these sorts of things. But his explanation, and I do understand this because this is sort of true, that um, they're almost exclusively used for um, for tsunamis. And all the public education is about tsunamis. And he said that if people had heard the siren they would have responded as if there was a tsunami and they would have moved Malka. So in Hawaiian, we use the words uh, Makai and Malka because sometimes North and South isn't as helpful. Makai means toward the sea and Malka means toward, toward the center of the Island. The fire was coming from Malka. Um, So his argument is if, if people had heard sirens, they would have moved toward the fire. Now, the people who still say that it should have been sounded was most people didn't. So so many people didn't get the cell phone notice. So many people didn't get anything. And also, if people had woken up, had had they woken up, they would have seen the fire pretty. They would they would have known what was going on pretty quickly and they would have figured it out or they would have gone on the street and people would have told them where to go. Because because one of the problems is, is as it moved into the town at night, there there were people who were asleep, um, and were were woken up to the sounds or to the smell by the smell of smoke. They just had no idea what had been going on. Um, so a lot of systems clearly failed. Um, I'm I'm not in a position to say whose fault it is because I'm a not a commentator. Um, but I also really just don't know right now. There, there, there's, there's so much here. Clearly, a lot of things went wrong. One thing I will say about, um, about the down power lines. So I, what, I, what I saw most recently is that Hawaiian Electric is saying it, they're admitting that the fire that morning was caused by a down fire, like a down power line. But they're saying that um, the fire that destroyed Lahaina was actually not even that fire and was perhaps a completely different fire that was started in a completely different way. I'm very curious to see the documentation on that. Could be, I don't know. Um, but what I'll tell you what I do know and what I did see when I went up country, um, I saw a downed power line, you know, and I, I saw all the wires tangled in the branches. And I also saw a, a, a section of power line next to a downed pole where it was entangled with a bunch of burnt branches and it looked like the wire itself had been charred. I'm not an expert, but if you were to, if you were to ask me, I would say that that was probably the point of origin of that particular fire stress that I don't know that for a fact. We'll, 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 we'll learn more. But what I do know also is I talked to neighbors and they heard a loud crash, then saw smoke, then saw fire. 
I, I, I can't say for sure what, what all that means, but I, I, I can suggest what I, I think it means. And I've got pictures of it and uh, people can judge for themselves. Um, but I would also w- urge people to wait for the formal investigation of, of all this to be concluded because, you know, this is my educated observation, but not, not, not a formal conclusion. Is there, is there a rush to assign blame right now? Absolutely. You're dancing around this so carefully, like you still want to contribute uh, I mean, to I what gotta, is a horrible problem. Right. No. Well, I mean, I, you know, I got to be, I got to be careful. You know, I, I, I'm a reporter. I, I you know, I, I've got my own take on things, but I, but, uh, but truly I, I don't know what to make of, of some of the things like, like another thing that happened. And I, I think this is instructive for kind of, how things have gone and also how things may go in this conversation as it moves forward is um, the West Maui land company um, sent, sent a letter to the state saying that um, one of the water managers stopped them from being able to, uh, to divert water as, as, as the flames were coming. Um, what, 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 what kind of supposedly happened was that um he told them, you know, you need to get permission from the upstream users, which was, um, I, I think it was from a tarot, like a, a native Hawaiian owned tarot farm upstream. Now this, this, this comes into some really thorny things about forgive, the history of Hawaii. Here. Forgive my yeah. ignorance. What's tarot? Tarot is kind of, it's like a potato, but it's not a potato. Um, it's, 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 it's something that's been grown in Hawaii for a long time. A lovely um, native yam. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, 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 it's crushed up sometimes to make poi, which I, you know, I'm not sure how best to describe that. It's, it's a very Hawaii thing anyway. Um, and, and they're grown in, um, these kind of watery, not quite like a patty, but you know, it's, it just 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 envision just kind of a nice like watery little farm. They're, they're they're pleasant places to visit. It's nice and um you know and you can make really good you can make really good hash browns out of taro. That's what I like making with it. But you can make all manner of things uh, from taro. Um, I'm very pro taro personally. Um, but sorry, is it like? Oh sure. Compare it to sweet potato. Is it like similar to sweet potato? Like, what are we talking here? No, no. It's 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 texture is a lot harder. Okay, so like, more like a normal, like more like a typical russet potato. But like it, like firmer than a potato, even firmer when, than a potato. Okay. Yeah, um, I, I'm comparing it because it's it's definitely in the same like category right. of, of it, but it, it it doesn't it it's it's okay. We 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 can spend a long time. So. <laughs> Look, look up tarot, look up tarot farming. It's, it's an interesting thing. And there's, there's a lot of interesting things about in Hawaii, but what I was bringing it to, cause this is kind of where, where that becomes an issue is this issue of, of water rights and, and who gets to control the water. Because this goes back to, you know, that, that was a traditional crop, but uh, the sugar plantations end up, ended up taking a lot of the water away from tarot farmers and away from that sort of thing to really focus irrigation on their crops. Um, and, and pri- you know, private land because the Maui, the Maui land company, you know, it, it manages a lot of water resources for people, but it's a private entity. It's not a public utility. Um, so there, there's, there, there's, there's a lot of thorny history here about that. And there have been some new measures passed about making sure that 
people don't just get um, water redirected from them uh, when, whenever people want. Um, so, you know, they, they write this letter saying that this happened and, and they by name mention, you know, the guy who they think is responsible, the guy, and the guy has been reassigned by the state. He hasn't been fired, but he's been reassigned. And now there's actually a lawsuit to have him reinstated at that position. Um, groups like the Sierra Club and some of the other environmental groups and Native Hawaiian groups have said, you know, this seems like the Maui Land Company is exploiting a tragedy to blame this guy for, you know, a lack of water because they don't like the new water policies. And it seems like they're trying to blame these water policies on the fire when that's not necessarily what happened. Um, Because I I don't believe that that company actually manages the water that would have gone in and out of the hydrants. Um, Like, you know, that was kind of one of the things like, oh, well, you know, there wasn't enough water available. It sounds more like what happened is, you know, the pipes. Now I say it sounds more like that. We don't know. You know, I I have to caveat a lot of this stuff. We're going to continue learning more. Um, And I, I don't I don't take a position on 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 who was on the right or wrong here because i don't think there's enough information i don't know west maui land company is going to make their case uh the state's going to make their case um the people who have made the lawsuit to reinstate uh that guy are going to make their case we're we're going to learn more stuff there's a lot of there's a lot of bureaucratic mess that goes with all of this right right but i but i bring that up to a illustrate that, but also to illustrate the historical baggage that's here, because that that is a big thing. So something that we can say, and this is something that I can say with confidence, is that a big problem that that was part of this is the invasive grass that that is a byproduct of um, of the sugar plantations that came to dominate, you know, the, the islands and reshape what they look like, because Maui. In, in Lahaina in particular used to have, this used to be a wetland, you know, these, these were wetlands. And that's also why Terra was very popular out there because, you know, people used the water, people used the land, but it, it looks very different than it did um, all those years ago. And you, you if, if anybody doubts this, like, you know, you, you can read, like, first of all, there's the oral history of, of the Hawaiian people who, who tell you what it looks like, but you can read the early contact, you know, like uh, captain Vancouver, what, what the Brits saw like British Royal Navy. When, when they first came there, they, they saw it and they wrote about it and they wrote about Lahaina is, is having like being lush, being watery and being this very green, very full of water area. They, they did not describe it as, um, as brushlands um, that would have, easily caught fire necessarily right it's guinea grass i think uh is one of the things that's being blamed one of the many things that's being blamed which is like a just i think i think like african yemen uh pretty dry uh grass that easily catches fire Mm -hmm. Um, it's my in my limited understanding um okay so that's kind of i think that's good background for like the politics and the the actual fire itself, what, like, what do you do? So what do you do in this situation? Uh, if you are a firefighter and you have no water or you have limited water or the complete lack of water pressure and this thing is spreading around, like, what are you to, what do you do to fight this? 
at a certain point, you you have to cut your losses and flee, which is what a lot of them were in Lahaina. At least they were forced to do once they found out that they, they didn't have it. They they also lost some fire engines uh, in the fire. You know it it and uh, you know uh, the a lot of the firefighters that were there. They you know they they were from the Lahaina you know engine. A, a lot of them lost their homes too. Um, you know they 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 were. Nobody should suggest that they were not invested in, in putting out that fire because they were the guys on the ground were 100 percent invested in, in fighting that fire. And they, they had everything to lose, just like everyone else. And a lot of them have uh, they, they, they've lost the same things. And it's been, you know, um, I, I didn't talk to many of the firefighters, but some of, you know, some of my colleagues in um, broadcast media, we also colleagues at the paper, we've, we've, we've written about people, lots of coverage in Hawaii media about uh, what it was like to fight those fires um, from, from the firefighters. But, you know, you can, you can tell it's emotionally difficult for them, not only to have lost that, but, but to have not been able to fight it, to have, to, to, to have pointed the hose at it and had nothing come out and, and to just be completely powerless and in the face of, of something so massive. Um, well, one thing I will say, this wasn't from a firefighter. This was um, one of the people who escaped uh, told um, Cindy, the photographer that I was working with on the ground, that, you know, a- as he was fleeing, that not only the heat, but the sound of this massive fire. He said that it was like running from a dragon. Jesus. All right, Angry Planet listeners, we're going to pause there for a break. We'll be right back after this. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of what-ifs, some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry, and some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs, no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. All right, Angry Planet listeners, welcome back. We're on with Kevin O'Dell. All right, so kind of as you teased the beginning of this conversation, um, you're in the Pacific Northwest, you're on vacation, uh, but you have not escaped wildfires. The smoke from, from one of them is, is is wafting in, making your life very lovely. Uh, sure seems like there's been a lot of fires lately, Kevin. Yeah, uh, and, 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 and why ever would that be? Um, yeah, you know, um, it's like I said earlier, it's, it's been, it's been something I've, I've worked on a bunch. Um, it, it wasn't necessarily something I, I sought, but it, it's found me, um, w- whether it be covering various military bases or, or in Iraq and Syria. And it, it's out there was a little bit sometimes ambiguous, whether it was a wildfire or whether it was a fire set by ISIS. ISIS took credit for some of that. So I, I think, there was intentional burning of crops. Uh, there was that sort of stuff. But I, I think 
And, you know, this, this, this is where we get into the thing that becomes so politically charged, unfortunately. You know, wh- whether it's there, whether it's anywhere else, uh, the common thread in a lot of these places, whether there's invasive species or not, is more drought, uh, more heat, and less water. You know, it, it's this is a thing that we're seeing in a lot of places. There's there's wildfires right now in uh, Louisiana. There's wildfires across Europe. Ob- obviously, up in Canada, that's that's where a lot of the smoke I'm getting right now is from. But also some some smoke. I I was told from Spokane. I, I haven't been following all the wildfires. It's hard to keep track of all of these. Um, it's becoming you know a, a bigger issue. It's it's ubiquitous. Um, they're 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 a part of our life now. I mean, it, it, they've always been kind of at living, growing up in the American West. It was always something that was there, but it's, it's not, it's different than it was. How is it different than it was? Is it more frequent, more intense? Both. Um, you know, fire is, and yeah, you have to remember that, you know, f- fire is a, is a phenomenon. It's, it's, it's in its own way, kind of natural. Prairies, the Western forests, lightning strikes can can start a fire. Um, throughout the history of this of the region that I'm in right now, you know, like Hawaii, a little bit different. Though I, I'm I, I don't think that we can say that there's never anything natural out there. You know, fire is just a thing that exists. Fire is neither good nor bad. It is not evil. It doesn't have any. It, it is not malicious. Uh, even though I compared it to war because it moves and it and it and it. And it it is more like any other natural disaster, like a war. You have an enemy, it, but it is not a malicious thing. It does not seek to destroy anything in particular. Um, I, I think something every summer when I was growing up, um, my family used to go to the Wallowa Mountains in eastern Oregon, and we would pass by a mountain range called the Blue Mountains. And I actually looked this up to confirm whether this is true. Um, I can't confirm one way or the other, but, you know, oral history is funny this way. So I'm just going to tell people this with the caveat that maybe this isn't true. But I was always told that this was true. I was told that they were called the Blue Mountains because smoke made them look blue. And that's what the indigenous people called them, that uh, smoke from around the area. And And I've been thinking about this because... Eastern Oregon, anytime I went out there, the air was always just a little bit smoky. Um, And it was actually a a, a smell that I came to associate with, you know, not bad memories necessarily. You know, you you, people would be barbecuing out there or there would be bonfires or fire or, you know, chimney smoke. You know, there there, there was always just a little bit of smoke in the air and, and controlled burns in some of the farms, you know, fire can be good for the soil it, it revitalizes the soil it adds nutrients it fire was it's just part of the west it's it's not inherently good or bad but there's just a lot more smoke right now um a lot more fire i i, I think the paradise fire uh in in, in california was a big wake-up call the 2018 fire that also burned down in, um a town kind of similar to Lahaina, but you know, it's Lahaina is now 
very much eclipsed it, though there there are similar debates around that because that one was caused by down fire lines and you know led to a massive lawsuit, which I think is something that um, Hawaiian Electric is really looking at. Every, everybody's really kind of looking to that fire to kind of look at what the the aftermath of this one might look like. But you know, like I said, there's also things about it that are not the same. There there were no taro farms around. Uh, around there. So it's, it's going to be different and it's going to be, it's going to have its own Hawaii aspect to it. But fire is, is becoming a much more prevalent thing all around the world. And it's, it's going to more and more disrupt our infrastructure and disrupt our lives. One might say Um, the climate is changing. One might say that the climate is changing. There's a story I did uh, back in 2019 that I've been kind of revisiting periodically and, and especially have been thinking about um, a, 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 after what I saw in Maui. Um, I don't know if everybody remembers um, when uh, the Trump administration at the time wanted to uh, redirect a lot of defense funding to to fund um, the border wall. Um, as, as part of an emergency move to um, to block off the border, um, I I was asked um, by um, by Crosscut, which is a nonprofit news organization out in um, Seattle, based out in Washington State, um, to look at um, programs that were on the cutting block out out here, and uh, I was looking at a few of them, you know, um, and, and various other reporters reported on, on what, what the projects were, but one that, um, I, I, I looked out at, uh, the Yakima training center, uh, and they had two, one was a vehicle maintenance facility that they were, were going to lose out on. And the other one was upgrades to their, to their facilities, fire department. And I ended up calling, calling the facility. And, uh, weirdly enough, I actually just got like the commander of the facility on, on the line. Cause I don't, it's a small facility. They didn't really have a lot of resources at, at the time. I didn't, he, when, when, when he, when I asked for his name at the end of the conversation, he told me like, Oh, I'm just the guy who runs the entire thing. But what he told me, you know, I, I asked, you know, if, if these were going to be problems for, um, for the base. And he said, yeah, especially the fire department. And I was expecting him to say the maintenance facility. And I said, okay, uh, you know, why is that? Um, and for people who are not familiar with the Yakima Training Center or the Yakima area, also kind of a dry, deserty area, but like um, a lot, a lot of brush, uh, you know, and, and surrounded by a lot of ranches and, and that kind of thing. Um, soldiers who trained there call it Yakistan, and it was you know a very, very well used training area. Um, during the Guat years, because it very much resembled the sorts of terrain that they would be going to. Uh, look, looks a lot like Kandahar. Um, uh, but what the commander told me was, you know, we 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 have perhaps more training related fires than any other facility that the U.S. military has. Um, that's what he said. I don't know if that's true, but I actually asked a few other people, and and they said, yeah, that that sounds about right, uh, just because of. Um, what they have out there. And it was very important for them that they be able to put out fires. Um, and also that their fire department be able to pitch in, in neighboring firefighters, you know, like firefighting resources get, get spread so thin and everybody needs to pitch in. 
they had actually had a massive uh, fire on, on that had started on that range called the Range Twelve Fire. It was it, it had started out as as a result of training, and it 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 spread and and jumped jumped the training area, jumped the highway, and started burning down actual uh, farmland. And it led to the army being sued um, to the tune of quite a bit by some of the neighboring ranchers and farmers. And that was a major concern for him, both because, you know, it, it's bad to have that sort of thing happen. Uh, you don't want to burn down your neighbor's stuff that, you know, it's you, you don't want to burn critical farmland and, and infrastructure in the area. But, yeah, he also said, you know, any any time we even have like a spark, we really got to stop training here. Um and if we don't have the ability to stop that, you know, it, it disrupts military readiness, but also fires here. And whether it's training related or not, because there, there are non-training related things. It could be a lightning bolt. It could be just sometimes things just get really hot and, and things just just burn. Um, and he said, you know, we need that. We need to have the resources to be able to do that correctly. And if we don't, then this this training area becomes borderline not usable for us. And the reason I bring that up is to is to bring up that you know this 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 is stuff that is a national security issue. It really is, or or a global security issue, really, because this is happening all around the globe. Um, you know, I, I think when we talk about climate stuff and and historically when we've talked about this or talked about pollution or talked about issues like this. You know, it's always been, you know, like save the whales, which doesn't resonate for a lot of people because they don't see whales that often. They're just not attached like, oh, save the polar bears. They're cute and that upset people for a while, but then they they kind of lose track of that. Save this random bird somewhere that I've never heard of and don't care about. You know, that's that that's so much of what drives these conversations. But I think what we're starting to see now is that it's not just coming for that stuff. It, it, you know, it starts with burning down the forests that, that people have wanted to hike in. And, you know, that's very sad. But then it's starting to come for the farms that that grow our food. And now it's it's burning down the towns, our, people's homes and and the people in them. They're, they're, they're coming for the places and the people that we love, not not just for animals or stuff like that. And it, it's starting to really, really come here now. One thing that was really interesting to me about actually the response of so many people, one of their first questions was like, is the banyan tree okay? Uh, and for people who don't know, so like there, there's, a, there's a very large, very beautiful, big tree in Lahaina. And I'm not even going to say was because it might actually, it, it, it was outwardly charred, you know, blackened, but there, there's signs that it might actually still be alive. Um and I, I don't want to discount this entirely because, you know, we, we, we've done some local coverage of it. And, you know, that there are some people who said, like, you know, this would be if, if it's alive, it would be a powerful symbol uh, for this town if it is able to be rebuilt. Um, that being said, if, if you're listening to this and if you if you're somebody who listened and you asked me about it, I, I'm not mad at you individually, but don't ask me about the fucking tree. Don't ask reporters in hawaii about the fucking tree um because we still have a, a pretty a big list of missing people we're still counting dead bodies uh the water system is messed up and, and we have 
all this mess to deal with. It's a lot less important than this tree, which I have to also point out is not a native tree. You know, it was planted. It, 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 it you know, it, it's part of like the whole settler experience. You know, I, I mean, I'm a settler too, whatever. I'm not, I'm not anti all of that. You know, there, there's, there's a lot of history that was lost, you know, like th- this, but it, th- we really need to be thinking about people right now and, and, and also about like repairing the land itself not not this one tree and it, it, it is it is it has genuinely been shocking to me how people just seem to have blurted out that particular one thing and like that was an area of concern it's the one thing they know um, about the it's one thing they know about the place right like that's i guess I, which is weird because like i i've been to lahaina and like that that was not one of the things that i that stuck out to me i mean i guess i kind of remember it but like that just was not that big of a thing we have lots of banyan trees on um also on hawaii island and a bunch of them on on, on oahu there, there's some banyan trees where, near where i live they're also big and impressive too you know uh that, that's that's just kind of my thought on this you know um i'm not gonna go so far as to say fuck the tree i mean i think i already did say that earlier you did on, you did basically I did, I did say that um i i hope the tree is okay and i <laughs> hope that it lives i do um but it, it's just it is not top of mind of concerns and for a lot of people on maui it is definitely not not a top concern there's some arborists out there like there are some local people from the area who are monitoring it you know some people out there who who are attached to the tree but even i think they would say that like you know they they're doing that because that's a specialty of theirs i think i think they would not think that that's one of the top priorities uh in terms of Lahaina's future or like figuring out what happened. Um, the, the tree is, is low on the priority um, that I don't know. We can include this. We can not. It's, it's just, oh, I'm including it now. Thing. I'm going to put it up at the top. We're going to yeah. do it old. We're going to do it old school. I'm going to put it up. Yeah. At the, I'm going to put this separate up at the top. And then the title of, the, 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 the title of this is just going to be fuck that tree, fuck that tree. And then the intro music, <laughs> and then we'll get into the real episode. People will love it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They'll make me very popular. Um, But uh, yeah, everybody. um, Yeah. um, Don't waste water. Um, You know, um, be mindful where you throw your cigarettes. Uh, Don't don't start fires. We've got enough of them. Kevin Nodell, thank you so much for coming on. Glad to be here, (laughs) I guess. That's all for this week, Angry Planet listeners. As always, Angry Planet is me, Matthew Galt, Jason Fields, and Kevin Nodell. It's created by myself and Jason Fields. Thank you to uh, the subscribers. You go to angryplanetpod.com or angryplanet.substack.com and kick us $9 a month to keep us going. Uh, I know August was a little bit light. Uh, it's a little bit hard to get guests in August because everyone's on vacation. Uh, we, are, we are gearing back up into the normal swing of things here. Uh, have some great episodes planned, some other special stuff coming for you. Uh, again, at angryplanetpod.com or angryplanet.substack.com. $9 a month gets you commercial-free versions of all the mainline episodes and bonus episodes. 
We will be back next week with another conversation about conflict on an angry planet. Stay safe until then. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.